What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 18th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Pierre Green, and we had an incredible conversation about teaching your children to be advocates for themselves and how to embrace the day-to-day moments to teach them how to communicate and be an advocate for who they are and to speak their mind and have their own opinions. We talked about rebelling against tradition and that fathers must rebel against the idea of being perfect. Enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Pierre. Quick side note, I want to let you know that there is a chirping sound from a smoke alarm that we did not catch, so don't let it annoy you too bad. All right, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. Really looking forward to getting to know a new friend and welcome Pierre Green to the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. Pierre, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our our mutual friend Rod had connected us. Rod Powell, he was on the podcast recently. Amazing father, husband, uh, all around dude, and and he connected us. Why do you think when I asked him who's a great father that I could uh, have a conversation with, he brought your name up? Probably because we've done some work together in the community around okay. fatherhood. We our kids went to school together, elementary school, and we had an initiative called All Pro Dads. This is where Dads would get together once a month and we would talk about some of the things that we may struggle with and some of the things that we're proud of with our children. And that was just a beautiful thing to see 50 to 100 men talking about their kids and their emotions in the open form. Wow, that's huge. Yes, it's those micro groups, those things that we do that have such significant impact for like generations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, and we might, you know, and that's the thing is you go, okay, we're having a podcast, you know, we hope thousands of people listen to our conversation today, but I would just encourage dudes, if you heard that, like throw together your own group with some local dads at the elementary school. I mean, no time is more important than now, especially for dads to be showing up. What was that? I should know. Uh, but you know, just that thing that was going around recently where those dads were showing up at that elementary school. Cause I think there was some bullying or some different things going mm-hmm. on. So in the, in the media, they were talking about these dads showing up and how it just changed. Like the way that a man shows up as a father, kids respond to that leadership. They need it. Absolutely. Yes. You're yes. absolutely right. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so just a little throw out to the dudes. If you, there's nothing different than, than Pierre, myself or Rod, just go out and make a group. Doesn't matter if there's five people, even with five, it's like, the intimacy and the vulnerability and the transparency is probably even more elevated, right? So super impactful. Um, Okay, awesome. Well, so that people can get to know you right now, I'm going to just rapid fire a few questions. Where do you live? I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. How old are you today? I'm 41 today. Okay. And how many years you've been married? 17. Nice. And then how many kiddos do you have? Three boys. 14, 8, and 2. 
Okay, so a bit of a spread there. Yeah, yeah. you got you still got the two year old uh, running yeah. Mama Wild a little bit, probably. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, uh, when our kids go to kindergarten, we have another child. Mm. So when our two year old go to kindergarten, we're gonna buy a dog. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I like that plan. I don't know though. I I I I'm not an animal person, which probably everybody's gonna hate me. But I I've joked that I would have another kid before I got a dog. But uh, we have five kids, you know. So my wife's not really into that uh, yeah. at the moment. <laughs> um. Okay. And then, what do you do for a living to provide for the family? I'm a registered representative in the financial service industry. I've been okay. doing that for the last seventeen years now. Okay, fantastic. So this is a new question that I've been asking guests. What is something that you've learned about yourself in your role as a father? So, you know, you've been through a few stages. You got a you got a toddler, you got an elementary school, you got a, a high schooler, basically. Yeah. Uh, at different stages, you know, you go through different things. What's something you've learned about yourself? I've learned that first of my kids are a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. They all act like me in some way or another. And so it's important to constantly work on myself emotionally, physically, mentally. Kids have a way of hiding those things in us that we may not see or we want to not address. And so I have one kid, my oldest is very, very smart, very intuitive. My, my eight-year-old is a, uh, He's more vulnerable. He's going to tell you how he feels. He's going to tell you what he's thinking. My my oldest one may go internal. My fourteen, my eight year old is going to tell you about. It. So it's like, wait a minute, that's in me. And so mm-hmm. maybe I need to work on how I process my feelings, my emotions, and how can I show them how to do it in a healthy way? Because the biggest thing we want our kids to be emotionally mature as they become men. Because there's a lot of men that are not emotionally mature, and mm-hmm. we hear the stories of women talking about. They don't want to raise another a man, you know, and so forth. So that's something that I've learned about myself. Like I need to look internal and deal with some of my issues to be better for them. Yeah. And this is really the first time that this has hit me in the way that you explained it is I've I've kind of been having the conversation with dudes that our kids are half of us, right? So they're a reflection of us. It makes sense, right? There's going to be things about me that I see in them. But when you said it the way you did about them being a reflection of us, it's not just from the DNA of them being born. It's that as I'm growing as a man, as a father, they're growing as human beings. So the man that I'm becoming, I'm really laying on them as well. Yes. That's pretty significant when you think about your role as a father. It's not just uh, figure it out today and be a great dad and show up. It's constantly grow. Because if you're going to constantly grow, you're expecting your two-year-old to grow, right? I mean, and it, it shouldn't Absolutely. stop when he's 18, um, but well, he's not going to grow if you're not going to grow. And, and that's the key. You know, we mm-hmm. talk about if you're not growing, you're dying. And so it's the same concept. We have this mindset, well, when the kids get 18, they're set. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. When I was at 25, I had questions about life. And I'm like, what is going on? Yes. And so it was good to be able to have a, a mentor, a father figure, an uncle, father, whomever to be able to talk to. So I have to grow as they grow. Yes. Yes. Uh, And I think that for some reason, I mean, well, just to go back, you said at 25, you have questions, you know, I'm 38 and I've got questions, you know, and and I think that 
uh, for a lot of us men, we want to pretend like we don't still have questions about life that we've kind of got it figured out. And when you're stuck in that pattern, you're going to have your kids stuck in that same pattern. Like that's like your two-year-old saying, I don't, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to wipe my own butt or I don't want to right. like, obviously, you know, if someone else is going to do it for me, then why would I want to do it? But at a certain point, we want our children to become men, especially if we're raising boys, right? We want mm-hmm. to raise daughters who are uh, independent and, and, um, honorable and know who they are. I mean, it all comes down to identity, right? And, Mm -hmm. and so I just love the way you said that they're a reflection of you. And so that puts the onus on you to continue to grow as a man. Absolutely. I can't blame anybody else Mm -hmm. because they look at it like this. Your kids will mimic everything you do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. down, down to the way you, you walk the frick. Like when I leave a message, when I say my phone number, I say it the same way repeatedly. And it was amazing. I was leaving the message the other day and my sons in unison start saying the exact same thing. My phone number, the exact same way I said, it. it's like, wait a minute. Wow. They listen. And mm-hmm. I didn't think they're paying attention. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm making calls, you know, trying to make things happen, but they're paying attention. So it's like, okay, they're going to do everything that I do good, bad, or indifferent. So I have to be mindful of that. And sometimes it gets tough. You know, For sure. So sometimes you want to say, "Do as I say, not as I do." <laughs> yeah. And um, but they, you know, they they have a way of pointing that out at to you, like that. You said this, and it's like, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just started reading a book as a family, so we, we you know, we might do a couple of books a year, but it's Atomic Habits. And so we're just been reading it the last couple of days. But you know, when you say that he said it the way I said my phone number, you think. Every little thing you and I do, all those little micro habits that we have, they're being watched and ingrained over and over and over. And so as a family, we've been kind of talking about, okay, what are the habits that we like? What are the habits that we don't notice, right? Because you just do them. Mm-hmm. And what are the habits that we would like to, to create? Um, and I think to have that conversation with your kids, you're going to end up seeing things like, oh, well, dad, you actually do this. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I didn't even know that that's what I do when I walk in the door or that's how I leave in the morning or whatever. And it's, and it's really, it's those micro things during the day that make the biggest difference, right? I was talking yes. to a kid who's 13, um, one of my son's friends, and he said something, I don't even know how we got in the conversation, but he's like, oh, sometimes my dad just wakes me up by rubbing my back, you know? And it's like, his dad probably doesn't even think that that's this major thing to a 13 year old boy going through right. puberty, <laughs> but for that kid, and how simple is that? That's like 30 seconds that instead of walking in, throwing the lights, being like, get up, everybody, we're in a hurry. Take 30 seconds, rub the back. Hey, what's up, homie? Good to see you. Love you. Good morning. Whatever. Yep. Boom. Like that's that's the stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Next question. As you've been a father, what have you found is the best resource to you? Other fathers. Hmm. By far. Fathers that, and this is the thing I love about it. It has nothing to do with their job, their their position in life, their their income. Just mm-hmm, guys mm-hmm. that are that are that have been dads, being able to talk to them just about life because you think you're on the island sometimes. You mm-hmm. feel like no one has ever experienced a kid going through puberty. How do you put a kid to sleep? How do you get them out of your bed? All those things. Mm-hmm. And just talking to other fathers is like, oh my god, I'm not alone. Okay, I can do this. So that's think, been the, the best resource. Yeah, that's like half the battle right there is just not feeling alone. 
right? And then sharing stories, you know, to hear stories from other men. We 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 think everything. And I I mean, I read a lot of books. Books are really helpful. They're people's best material. But even in a book, the best thing in the book is the stories, right? Um, yes. And each of us has a story that we can share with other men. So I, I encourage dudes listen to this right now is don't hold back your stories, like especially the struggle ones, right? The struggle ones are where other dudes, not necessarily like, hey, I did it this way and you shouldn't, but hey, I did it this way. Let them gain and learn from it however is best for them, which is which is hard to do. Um, in the In the questionnaire survey I gave you, one of the things that you had written down as a resource, which really stood out to me because I, I wrestle with this one is time. That 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 time is a resource. Looking at it really with you know saying that statement means that you look at time with an abundant mindset. So maybe talk to me about the difference of how you see time as abundant versus scarce. You know, as men, one of the things that we focus on is trying to make a living. We want to be able to provide for our families. And going back to fathers, other fathers being one of your greatest resources. I was talking to a another father whose son is in their 20s and you know he's a lot older than I am and he was just saying he had a decision to make when he was when his son was in the middle school he could have took a promotion it would have paid him far more money mm. but he's he chose to stay in the current position where he can be there with his son because what he explained to me was time was the most important thing he mm-hmm. said I can always go make more money I can never get time back and so that really stuck with me and so how I look at it how I try and um, schedule my day is to make sure I have time. If I'm out majority of the day, where am I going to get time to spend with my kids, to be able to have a dialogue, to find out, hey, how was school, to watch the shows a thousand times that I've already seen mm. with them because it's the time. Because what they're going to remember, they're not going to remember, oh, we have a nice house, we have this nice lifestyle. What they're going to remember is dad was in the floor with me, spending time with me. Mm-hmm. Dad did this with me. So to me, that is one of our greatest resources is time. Um, we can always make more money. We can never make more time though. And Man, so, yes, it's, I, I look at everything that way. Yeah. And the story of the promotion is huge, right? Because you can argue with yourself, this is going to be better for the family. And, and I don't know your, you know, whoever's listening, your circumstances, you know, maybe there are certain things you need to do to provide, but that idea, keeping that at the forefront of your mind, that time is really the best thing you can give your kids. You know, not that once a year vacation, which is killer. Do it for sure if you can. But, you know, if you're going camping down the street versus going to Europe for the week, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter probably as much if the whole rest of the year you just weren't really around. Um, I'll piggyback on that. One thing I did with with each one of our boys, we try and give them their individual time mm -hmm. because it's such an age gap. Everybody has six years. The eight year old doesn't want to do with the two-year-old and the two-year-old doesn't want to do with the 14-year-old and so forth. So take the time to find out the activities that they enjoy and do it with them. Mm-hmm. You know, went to a, a painting gallery with my eight-year-old. He loves art. And I'm not a painter. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, daddy, try it. We're, we're painting. He was like, this is relaxing. I was like, man, you're right. It really is. I had a ball. Mm. And it, that's something when he's, a, when he's an adult and has his own family, he'll remember taking that, those type of moments and, mm-hmm. and dad taking time to be able to do this with me. So mm-hmm. he's just like, all right, I'm sold. Mm. Yeah. Finding that one-on-one, finding what's important to them, man. So good. Okay. So resource time, look at it as abundant. Love that. Next question is role. When you think of the role of the father, how would you describe that? 
I struggle with this question. And the mm. reason why I struggle is because society would tell us the role of the dad or the man provide and, you know, show them this and, and the tough love. And what I find that it's, it's not just one thing. I have to show them a work ethic. I have to show them how to treat people. I have to show them how to treat women based on the way I treat their mother. I have to show them how to be transparent. I have to show them how to, it's okay to show your emotions. So it's it's so much that goes into that. I don't Mm -hmm. want them to think, well, because I I thought this, if I provide, I'm a good man. I'm a good Mm -hmm. dad. I'm providing, you can do this. And what I had to realize is children could care less about those type of things. What they care about is your presence. Mm-hmm. You're at my you're at my activity. If you're constantly working or you're constantly going, going, going and not giving them, not being there. So that's something that I, you know, I know it doesn't really answer the question in whole, but to me, it's not just one thing. It's you yes, you have to provide, but you also have to show them how to be emotionally aware of, of their feelings and, and how to be transparent and a knowledge when you make a mistake. Or when you're disappointed. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I grew up with, you know, men don't cry, men are this. That's a bunch of BS. We already know that. Let's, mm-hmm. let's just, we know that. But you have to get rid of that that drama, that trauma that you have with that baggage. You're mm-hmm. thinking that that's how it has to be. So I want them to be healthy emotionally, mentally, physically, the whole nine. So it's, it's not just one thing when it comes to the role. Yeah, I love the answer. I mean what you're saying is the role of the father's dynamic. So it it isn't just this one thing like, okay, if I just show up at the same job for the rest of my life that, and and you know what, that, that is going to create stability. Right. And, and, Mm -hmm. and I hope that you create Mm -hmm. stability for your kiddos, but it's dynamic. And it means that you have to lean into yourself, right? You're saying be emotionally aware and you can't do that unless you are checking in with yourself and not just checking off a box. Like I went to work today. It's like, no, how am I? How's my wife? How's my kids? I'm being aware, right? Like that's pretty simple. It's not really a 12 step program to being a great dad. It's just kind of riding the wave of life um, and choosing to progress. So I would say stability, progression. And then one thing you said in there that, I mean, shoot, if we just spent our life kind of honing in on this one thing, you know, loving the mom, you said something about, you know, the way that you treat the kid's mother um, is going to teach them. And really, you know, life is about family and community, right? And, and, and I would argue that that marriage relationship is one of the most key components that our world needs to feel stability, right? For our kids to eventually go do that one day, we're never going to be perfect, right? But we're going to be growing and to do that, you got to be aware. So you know, I love the answer because it's dynamic, you know? Yeah. All right. So the podcast is Rebel and Create. Uh, that's the mantra behind the fatherhood field notes. You're already doing the fatherhood field notes, opening up your life, sharing some stories. But the mantra is Rebel and Create. And we could really apply this to anything. Um, rebel against something because we are men. We are warriors. We do want a good fight in our life, but not just for the sake of tearing something down to create something outside of that. So when you think about that rebel and create, what is something you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Tradition. Hmm. I'm rebelling against tradition that says you have to look a certain way. You have to, you have to look a certain way. You have to do things this way to get this type of outcome. 
you, going down to my hair, you know, prior to growing my hair out, it was very clean cut, no facial hair. You have to wear a white shirt with a tie and you have to look like this. And it's like, wait a minute, that may not work for me. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. And so I, I'm giving my, my children and my family as a whole the space to be able to say, we're not going to do that. For Thanksgiving, we went to the movies, had an amazing time at the movies. Growing up, that would have been a sin. How dare you go to the movies on Thanksgiving? <laughs> you lost your mind. But we, we had a ball at yeah. the movies. And so going against tradition and saying, hey. And so I'm, I'm, we're, we're tearing down to traditions because we realize a lot of times we do traditions and we don't really know why we're doing it. It's because, mm-hmm. well, my grandparents did this. Well, they had to do this because, well, that's not my same situation. And then mm-hmm. we want to build, give my kids the space to say, hey, I can create something new. I don't have to learn the way you learn. You know, I don't have to be involved in, in this or that. Like I played sports from five on up. I played college basketball, played professionally overseas. My kids are not into sports. Mm-hmm. Mm. None of them are into sports. No. None. My, my, How is my that? Oldest, Let's pause on that for a minute. How is that for you? Uh, in the in the the first time, it was hard just being being real. It was like, yeah, I gotta have one, and it was yeah. like, are you serious? And then, but what I what I realized is this: they excel in things at a high level, and so it's my role to support them in that. My mm-hmm. son is into technology. He has a whole setup in his room: lights, cameras, you name it. He has. That's what he enjoys. My eight-year-old loves to draw and he, anything musical. So how I would go into a gym for AAU if they were playing, I would go to a recital or any type of conference and be mm-hmm. that same dad mm-hmm. cheering. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get loud and supportive. And so that's that's what I have to realize. I have to give them the space to be able to say it's okay. You don't have to be like me. I grew up in Chicago. We live in Richmond, Virginia. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. Our, our dynamics is different the way I was raised to the way you are. And it's okay. So I'm going to give them the space to be amazing. And so it's it's a tough pill to swallow. I still coach. I still coach kids. And uh, and this is the thing. I know they can do it. They just don't want to. So it's yeah. just like. You made a comment in there. You said, so your kid that's into technology, have you taken him to a conference before? Yeah, we, we go to everything, man. Any, like, any conference that he comes up with that he. So right now what he does, he does a lot of audio visual for churches, for example. They'll call okay. him to say, can you do these videos? And he'll edit them, cut them out, and it looks amazing. And so nice. now it's about software. He, he's constantly sending me software. And I didn't realize software is that expensive. I read about <laughs> a pair of tennis shoes, but it's a whole other story. But it's, so it's, it's giving him that space to, to support him in his areas. But see, I think that's yeah. really cool is, is, you know, I think we have this tradition, traditions, which, you know, my kids, some of my kids play sports, but to go out and go find other avenues. So if my kid's into technology, well, what conferences, what events, what things are out there that I could take them to and then go get involved with that um, and show up. So killer, because there's always something out there, right? There's always some sort yes. of association or subgroup. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million subcultures in what we do and they all have, I mean, most of them have stuff you could be a part of. So that's, that's awesome. Now back to the tradition. Will you guys go to the movies next Thanksgiving? Yes. Okay. So we will. with that, is that when you rebel against, let's call it old traditions, are you just giving freedom to create new traditions? Is that is that the idea? Yes, it's, it's new tradition. If we decide we don't want to go to the movies, but we want to go 
painting, whatever it's going to be. But it's it's letting you know you don't have to go and, and sit in someone's home at Granny's house and, and eat and watch football. If that's not what we're into, we don't have to do those things, you know. So how do you do that unapologetically? And, and I don't know, you know, if you if you're if grandma lives down the street and you're the one family that didn't show up and everyone thinks right. you guys are like <laughs> arrogant. But how but but. I, I, I leaned into those words because I want to know how do you do it unapologetically and, and, and just say, Hey, this is us. Um, set boundaries with family and friends and stick to your boundaries. My top priority, is we go by the moniker team green. Mm. You know, we are team green. So we're going to do everything that's best for team green. We're going to, I'm going to make sure that they're comfortable, they're safe and the whole nine. And that's okay. And we, we let our kids understand some people are not going to like it, but it's okay. They don't Mm -hmm. have to. And so that gives them the space to realize I don't have to conform. I don't have to try and blend in or, or do what everybody else is doing because it's okay. It's nothing that you can. And and we tell them this It's nothing that you can do where you're going to make everybody happy. That's just, that's not life. Mm-hmm. And so the, the sooner they find that out, the better off they will be long term. Now, in a situation like the the movies, um, and maybe you have an example of both, but was it, hey, family, what do we want to do tomorrow? And we are all voting on this. Or is it, hey, me and mom decided we're going to the movies. What, what did that look like? We talked about it. We, we talked about it. And, and for example, my, my 14 year old didn't want to go. He was like, well, I think I'll stay home. No problem. No problem. You can stay home, you know. Uh, and so my wife and the two younger boys, we all went to the movies and had a great time. Mm. So we don't it's certain things that are non-negotiable, but we didn't feel like that was a non-negotiable. You know, that was one of those things where we had to use parental power. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And that's a big one. Right. Because I could go, man, that was Thanksgiving. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but to give your 14 year old and here's a, here's like a really big key for dads. Cause I'm running this with my own 12 year old son. I have one boy and four girls running this into my son is, uh, when do I say, Hey, do you want to do this? And when do I say, Hey, we're doing this because I've gotten myself into trouble saying, Hey, do you, you know, like Thanksgiving, let's use that example. I might say, Hey dude, we're all going to go to movies. Do you want to go? And him Mm. say, nah. And I was like, okay, too bad. (laughs) You know? So as dads finding that balance, especially with our boys to know and to go into it, knowing, cause I made a mistake this year. It was about, um, which school he was going to go to. And I've talked about it on here before, so I won't get into it too much, but I said, Hey, what school do you want to go to a or B? He didn't choose the one I wanted. And I was very upset about it, but I should have gone into that knowing I didn't really want to give him the choice. So maybe, maybe give me some of your, your opinion, feedback, experience with when do you use the this is what we're doing and when do you use the uh, hey what do you want to do we've decided what's non-negotiable for our family so for going to church if we're going to church that's a non-negotiable everybody's Mm. gonna go Mm -hmm. Uh, going out to run errands you know that's really not a big deal so we really try and prioritize what is most important well your faith is is important to us so that's a non-negotiable but if you don't go to the movies with us or, or out to grab a bite to eat because you want to, you know, want some of your time. But this also goes back to understanding your kids. Mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. I, I like being around people. That's that makes me feel well. Well, majority of my house is not extrovert. So they're not going to want to go and be interactive with as many people as I will. Now, they will do it if they have to. So 
it's understanding I don't have to pressure them in that. So that's not really a big deal. And understanding that they all need their space. You know, we have this thing that if you need space in the house, just say, hey, I need some time alone. And we'll allow you to go to your room or go, you know, area in the home and just have your time. But that's that's being in tune to everybody's needs. Understanding not everybody's the same. Everybody's different. So two questions on this. One is I think we live in a world of uh, extroverts are glorified. Um, and, and I think there's a shift going on possibly here, but how have you either gotten yourself in trouble and, or, you know, learned that being an, being an introvert and needing alone time is okay, uh, is okay. And you can honor and celebrate that. Now, on one hand, you're outnumbered right now, but, right. um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, because I, I could think of like an example, I was a youth, pa- a youth pastor before, and there'd be this one kid who was super quiet and off to the side. And as a young youth pastor, I'm like thinking that having fun is being in the center of the game. So I've probably made mistakes where I forced a kid to come play a game and I just bummed them out thinking this is fun. And in their minds, they're like, I would much rather sit on the sidelines and not do this weird game right now. So What's your thoughts on that? How do you honor the introvert quality in your family and not make being an extrovert better? I get in trouble when I agree to things without, mm-hmm. you know, talking to the talking to my partner about it. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, we're gonna do this. It's like, wait, wait a minute, buddy. Wait, hold on. <laughs> it's like, all right, all right. Let me let me rewind then. So that that does get me in trouble. So what I what I have to realize is before I commit to something, I have to make sure I take into consideration their space. You know, um, and that's in my mind. It's like, hey, why wouldn't you want to do it? Like you said. Yeah. But I realize that that will cause more harm than anything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm very I'm very mindful of that. You know, in the long in the long term. So that's what I. That's what I really try to do. Just give them their space, man. Um, and understand that we started something with my eight-year-old. He has an emotional journal. Mm. And in his emotional emotional journal, he's able to write down how he's feeling. Whether he's mad, angry, you know, happy, it doesn't matter. We give him that space to be able to express himself. Because what we realize, trying to tell a kid, you shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't be mad. Well, why not? Some, mm-hmm. I get mm-hmm. mad. So it's it's okay. So giving him that space to be able to write that out and so he doesn't have to internalize that and it blows up somewhere else mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm mindful of that when i'm thinking about you know who's the extrovert who's the introvert will they be comfortable or will they not be comfortable mm-hmm. powerful love it yeah and and i think that stuff is becoming more um culturally acceptable and as fathers that's where it's going to be acceptable. Like, and even if it's not acceptable at your kid's middle school, right? You know, maybe your kid's, you know, not sharing that at middle school because, because other kids don't have dads who are vulnerable and in tune with their kids as much. And we're trying to shift that, right? Is your home should be that safe place where you are able to feel your feelings. Now, as a father, you, you know, your kid, right? You know, when they're being, uh, they're taking it too far. And that's when you're stepping in going, Hey, let's, let's figure this out together. What is it you're feeling? How do we help get this through? Because it's your body's just telling you something, right? There's something going on. It's pointing to something. Let's figure this out together. But that takes a dad being engaged and in tune and listening and hearing. And I think also 
seeing the world through the kid's perspective. Um, okay, next question on, on the tradition thing. So you say faith is the non-negotiable, church is, is we're going to church. So do you find that your kid is like, dad, I don't want to go to church today. Um, and you're then saying, well, I just want to point out, you know, we are very, you know, cause they, you're so strict in this. You make us go every Sunday. You're so strict. You're so strict. And do you find that you're then going, well, let's just take a step back. Look at Thanksgiving, for example, look at last Thursday when we all went out to dinner and you didn't want to go. Do you find those kind of conversations are happening with your 14 year old? Um, not as much. Okay. Not as much. And, but if they do, the first question I will ask is, why don't you want to go? Uh-huh, because uh-huh. his feedback, you know, kids are very intuitive. And we, as adults, we have a tendency not to listen to him. Mm-hmm. He may say, well, you know, well, dad, I'm, I'm really not feeling connected. I don't feel like it's nothing that's going on where I feel like I'm, it's about me or for me. And it's like, okay, I didn't think of it like that. So, mm-hmm. so that then- would be the first question. Okay. So do you find that then you're not throwing in how awesome you are in other areas? Cause it's in a sense, it's no. kind of throwing it in their face. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, we don't, I don't want to be the bully. Okay. So yes, not be the bully. Okay. So then when you come back to this idea of tradition and, you know, I mean, shoot, man, I hadn't missed a Sunday morning my entire life. Uh, and, and when I was done being a youth pastor, I was like, kind of like, this is a chance to take a break. But I remember the feeling I had the first Easter. Okay. We didn't go on Easter like two or three years ago. And it was like, it was, my wife didn't feel good. And I, it was just stressful. Like I felt so like a ball in my chest for not going. And so I was just getting all the kids ready and going to take them. And then I was like, Whoa, this is why am I doing this? So I asked myself, why am I doing this? And it was more because it was the tradition and I was going to not be with our whole family for four hours. So we stayed home and we had a, we had an amazing Sunday. It was probably one of my best Easter's that I remember. So when you think about that tradition is still important, right? Because you have made that a priority with your family, but when, and if your son doesn't feel connected, then what is your role as a father to help them feel connected to something that matters as a family? I have to listen to him. I have to understand why does he feel that way? Mm-hmm. And based on that, we're trying to come up with ways together how we can connect. You know, if, you know, I want you to go to church, even if that's saying, okay, well, maybe we need to go to a different church. If this church is not, mm-hmm. they don't have a youth program, you know, because what I realize is this, and this is what churches have to understand. If you engage the children, you have the children there as a, as a parent, I'll get over it. I'll figure it out. Right. I'm going to go. I want to be somewhere where my kids are excited and love going. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's the biggest thing. We, we give them a voice within reason to be able to say, Hey, I'm thinking about this because one of the things we want them to be able to do is advocate for themselves. And so mm-hmm. if we don't allow them to advocate for themselves at home in a respectful way, they're not going to be able to do it as adults. And so that's one. Of, so we have that dialogue and, and we can hear their reason and say, well, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And many times they can see like, well, no, I did think about that. Okay. And we just move on. That is a huge, two things that you said that I really want to point out. One is at the very beginning of it, you said, uh, my son and I, if he says that he's not connected, we will figure it out together. 
So that means dad's not just coming up with the solution. So right there, you're helping your kid think through what's the solution. Cause I got all the answers as the dad, right? <laughs> yeah. Not so right. much, uh, not ones they want to hear, but then advocate for themselves. I never really thought about that. You know, when you're constantly shutting them down and saying, Nope, we're this, this is what we're doing. Then you're creating uh, they're going to do that at their job. They're going to do that with mm-hmm. their spouse one day. They're going to do that. They're going to always be looking to somebody else to make the decision for them. They're going to be right. looking to their government to choose everything for them. So yeah. as a father, you got to look at those confrontation as opportunities to teach mm-hmm. them how to think for themselves, be their own advocate. Now, mm-hmm. what you're not saying is I'm making a spoiled brat who gets whatever they want, whenever they want. No. Very different. No. Yeah. No, we're absolutely because we, we say no. We, we don't have a problem with saying no. You understand you have to work for things and so forth, but it's okay to advocate. I don't have a problem with listening to you. You know, it, it's the mindset of be willing to listen to conversations because you can learn from anyone. When you start to shut people out and, and think that they can't teach you anything, that's when you limit yourself. Mm. So I'm thinking about like moments where I'm tired. It's at the end of the day and my kid's coming to me with something and I'm like, not right now. Or I can't talk about this right now. Or no, I don't even want to give it, you know, just no. The answer is just no. Right. You know, I mean, you could hear yeah. as a dad, it's like this happens. But if I could train myself, create the habit where when my kid comes to me like this, I say, this is an opportunity for them to be an advocate. Then I can engage in a conversation, realizing this little moment about whatever this thing is, making slime or new technology or drawing, whatever it is. <laughs> It's an opportunity that I'm creating a man or woman uh, for the future. Like this is legacy moments. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. It's tough though, man. Like we just started playing pickleball as a family and we've done it the last two nights and both times I could see myself at the point of like, all right, see you guys. I'm walking home <laughs> just because <laughs> the fighting and, and what's interesting is my 13 year old, who is my wise introvert. I asked her in the, uh, I asked her in the kitchen after the first night, hey, you didn't jump in and try. Everybody's jumping in, saying this, saying that. You didn't jump in. And so we had this conversation and I I put my hand on her shoulder. I'm like, I learned from you today. Like you just sat back and let certain things happen and let people figure it out themselves and didn't let it piss you off, really, Mm -hmm. to to, to be honest about it. And, uh, And so now I looked at those pickleball games as an opportunity for my kids to learn how to get along with each other, how to to compete. Mm -hmm how to have fun, how to throw some, some trash talk out there respectfully yeah. and lovingly, you know? And, uh, and understand you're going to lose. How do you respond when you lose? You know, how do, when, when it's going to go your way, how do you respond? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, we're very competitive as a family. I'm, you're not going to beat me. You're going to have to beat me. I'm not going to give it <laughs> to you. Okay. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And, and that's okay. And, and, you know, so that will teach them, I think in the long run, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with things don't go your way, mm-hmm. um, how to work. Because if you look at our world now, you know, everything's about teamwork. Every, you know, if you're at work, we have ministry teams, we have teams that work. Mm-hmm. If you don't know mm-hmm. how to have a work through conflict, and it doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with the individuals. You just mm-hmm. got to be able to have a respectful relationship and get the job done. Right. You know? Right. But it is in teams. It, it is. It's so critical. And I think that, you know, as our world continues to, to become more technology driven and work from home and this, that, and the other, you really have to know how to solve problems and you need to know how to work with people. 
right? Yes. I mean, because because that's the only area where it's not going to get cheaper labor, you know, right? Because other than that, if you're just a, a laborer, then there's always going to be someone who can do it cheaper or faster, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can work together and solve problems, which is learned on the pickleball court, or advocating for what I'm going to do today, or if I'm going mm-hmm. to the dinner with my family or not, being able to have conversations, that's where all that is learned. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Pierre, this is so good. Okay. Um, I want to dig into the idea of perfection, you know, so, so as we're kind of talking about what you and I would connect on today, life, family, kids, you know, something that was important to you was this idea of perfection. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. It was the image. It's the image that in order, this idea of success, you, you know, you have the, the nice car, the nice home, you dress a certain way, you look a certain way. And you think that once I've accomplished or achieved these goals, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm set. No, you're really not. And, and as I live and as I mature, I realize that my, the, the best moments are when I'm in basketball shorts and a T-shirt mm-hmm. with flip-flops on, mm-hmm. you know, playing with my kids. It's not when I had my biggest cases when today wasn't a good, it wasn't a good day work-wise, but I, I find that it's, it's so much more fulfilling. You know, the other day I was, I had a disappointment. I was trying to accomplish something and I didn't get it. And I had to tell my kids about it. You know, I came home, I was like, hey, I I didn't get it. Mm. And that moment, they was like, well, you know, dad, just try again. It's, it's okay. Like you tell us, you know, we, we just don't give up. We just do it again. I was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can't get in the pity party. You know, I was transparent with them. I, I let them know I was disappointed because I wanted to accomplish this and it didn't happen. It was just like, it's cool, dad. They still love me. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't say, Hey, we don't, we don't want to rock with you right now. No, it was yeah. like, it's okay. Try it again. So that, that, that really helped me with, that was an imperfect moment, but it, it, it was so rich for me because my kids were able to support me you know, and encourage me in that moment, it made me realize they hear you. They hear you. Many times as dad, we feel like, do they hear me? Oh my God, I'm going to say this 30 times. But to give that information back to me, it helped me realize that the perfection was driving me crazy. I was trying to, trying to be perfect for Mm -hmm. everybody outside of my house. Mm -hmm. And so keeping up the image. And then when I come home, I'm exhausted because everything I gave out there and I'm not giving what they need, what they deserve, what they, what was, it's just, they're right because they're my family. So it was like, I had to really change that mindset. Like, Hey, that's not, it's no such thing as, as perfection. I, I have this thing called the six P's hmm. as proper preparation and practice prevents poor performance. So it, it's, it's all about preparing. It's not about trying to be perfect. It's, it's the more we do something, the more we prepare, the more we practice we become prepared for whatever life's going to throw at us. Mm-hmm. You think a lot of men struggle with perfection? Yeah. Society tells us we have to, we have to, you know, work in a certain place. We have to live in a certain area. We have to do certain things, go on these type of vacations. And, and, you know, it's, it's an antiquated system, mm-hmm. you know, um, how could you stay at home and your wife works? What kind of man are you? Mm. Well, I mean, if, if my wife makes two times what I make and it benefits me to stay at home, it's okay. You know, 
But society will have us thinking that it's wrong. We have these we have these gender roles that we we stick to, you mm-hmm. know, and the gender role says as a man, you need to do this. Like, perfect example, my wife may do majority of the cooking, but I wash the dishes. I prefer to wash the clothes. She will wash, but I prefer to do it because when I do it, I'm going to I know how I like it. I'm going to put it away right away. She may let it stay in the dryer. Mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm. For a little <laughs> so it's like most people will say, well, you know, why would you why would you do that? It's something your wife should do. Well, why? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's 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 going back to being unapologetic. This is who we are. We don't have to subscribe to the way you may do things. You know, we're not per- we're imperfect people trying to do the best we can. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's it. So when I think about perfection, I think that we all know that perfection in work in 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 marriage in fatherhood in you know the sports you play your hobbies we all know that perfection doesn't really exist yet we compare ourselves to others and so let me ask you this because on one hand you know i might look up to a father and i might look to him for inspiration right mm-hmm. what's the difference in your mind of 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 comparing myself to another man because I'm seeking perfection versus having men I look up to as people who influence me in a positive way. What we have to realize is it's nothing wrong with allowing people to inspire you for inspiration, but I may not want to go through what you went through to get to where you're at. And so every, mm-hmm. every one of us have our own unique story. It's, it's perfectly designed for us. And so I think it's okay to glean inspiration from others, but it's, you put yourself in a very dangerous situation when you try and compare others because their situation can be completely different, you know? Um, and so that's, that's something that I, I, I teach my kids. Don't compare it, compete with yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to compete with the other person. You know, when I go work out, I push myself. I'm not looking at the guy that's benching 400 pounds, making all that noise. I'm not trying to compete with him. We have completely different goals. As I get older, it's not about how much weight I can lift. It's about my endurance, how flexible I am. I want to stay healthy and be limber for a long time. And so comparing ourselves will get us hurt in the mm-hmm. long run, whether, mm-hmm. whether physically, emotionally, financially, you know, it will get you hurt. And so that's what we have as men. We really have to realize, you know, and that's where as society, we can't say, why can't you be just like, xyz why can't you just be like mm-hmm. no i have to be the best version of yourself i can look at other great men and want to and, and you know let them expire inspire me to do great things but mm-hmm. i don't have to i don't have to do it like them mm-hmm. nor do i have to you know be exactly like them i can go my own path mm-hmm. so rebelling against tradition rebelling against perfection really leans into, hey, I'm a man now. I'm a father now. I'm leading this home with my spouse, with my partner, with my kids. Not mm-hmm. it's not I'm not just the shot caller. It's all about me, yeah. patriarchal guy. Um, but I love this conversation because this is what rebelling creates all about. Rebel against the tradition, rebel against perfection, rebel against the things that don't work for you, mm-hmm. but create your highest and best potential, right? And that comes back to your yeah. six P's of prepare. Preparing it, like, tell me, what does prepare mean to you? What does it mean to prepare for life? 
to me, preparing for life is realize I don't have all the answers for everything. Mm. And mm-hmm. some things I'm going to get right, some things I'm going to get wrong. And so if I prepare, and, and that can be preparing for the next day, preparing, studying for and my kids, studying in school for a test coming up, do your part. That doesn't mean you're going to get it all right. You may still make some mistakes. But if you're prepared, you'll be better able to handle everything that's going to come your way. Mm-hmm. You know, that going, going back to not living above my means, staying within my means financially, life will happen. You know, you have kids, mm-hmm. you know, they grow <laughs> medical bills. You just know when when that thing, when those things are going to come about. So if I'm prepared and I'm living within my means, I'm in a better position long term. So that's what it means to me. It's, it's not just prepare for this. It's preparing for life with the space of, I may make mistakes. I may not get it right, but it's okay. Hmm. Uh, I just think about as men, how we like to prepare. Like we love, you know, the part in the movies where the guy's preparing to be at his home's going to be attacked or something. He's like getting all the grenades and the guns and the ammo, like he's preparing, he's getting everything. Like we love this part of the movie. And so I think about like, what if we looked at when we're going to wake up our kids, we mentally prepare before we go in. Like we're about to come home from work. We're driving home from work. And all I'm thinking about is the deal I lost versus preparing. Like, okay, I wonder what my day, my wife's day was like. How can I show up and walk in the door regardless of how I feel? Give her a big old kiss, walk into my kid. You know, like what if we started as men leaning into this, this thing we know we have in our heart of like, I want to be prepared, right? I want to be ready for battle. But what do you think about that? Like, looking at all these micro moments as battles that we can have victory over. Yeah, I think that's what I heard was visualize. You visualize, mm-hmm. you know, how do you want this to happen? How do you want your day to go? And we have a, a, a board, a white board that we write the schedule each day on for the week. And we'll have a focus point in the week and we'll have, like Monday is manifest Monday and it's mm. all about manifest. What do you want to see in your day? And I think not, not rushing through those moments. And you know, I was guilty of that. I think everybody, if they're honest with themselves, we were guilty of that, but understand that those moments are the ones that will last a lifetime. So I think if you visualize, Hey, this is how I want my day to go. This is how I want. It's, it's the law of attraction. If I give off good energy, I'm going to get it back. And so it's the same concept. You know, I'm a morning person. My house is not a morning person. I'm up early. I want to talk less live. <laughs> My house looks at me like I'm crazy. Like, why are you in here? Why are you talking to me right now? Okay. And so I can, I have one or two ways to, to respond to that. I can be negative or I can visualize and just say, okay, let me, how do I get them to, to get up and, and be pleasant like me? And it's, it's all about my energy that I'm going to give off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, and I have to give my wife credit for that really making me aware of my energy. I always felt like if, if I don't say anything, I'm fine. You know, it's no big deal. She's like, no, it's your, it's your energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can feel it. It's like, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, Pierre. Okay. My last question for you, and it's a legacy question. All right. So say 20 years from now, you are standing in a cul-de-sac peering into your children's homes and they may be, they may be married, they may have kids of their own or starting to, but when you see the way that they are living, 
what is it that you see that you know that your day in day out decisions as a man and to grow you're seeing played out in their homes? What I would see, what I would see twenty years from now, um, is love. Mm. I would see them display love and um, love and creating their own their own space, their own new mm-hmm. tradition. They don't feel bound by this is the way we've done it. So they're, you know, whether that's allowing their kids to, you know, sleep upside down or, you know, whatever (laughs) it may be. But I see a lot of laughter. I see them being happy and content with whatever they're doing, whether they're a custodian, whether they're a school teacher, it it doesn't matter. I I just see them feeling fulfilled and they have healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about, you know, wanting our kids to be productive citizens. And and that's, I want them to mm-hmm. be able to take care of themselves and their families and feel fulfilled in whatever they're doing. And they, I want them to set their own bar. So their legacy will be that they're setting their own bar. They have a, a keen sense of family. Just because what I realized, just because you're blood related doesn't mean you have to, you're, you have to be close. So we're very intentional with making sure they have a solid relationship. So I see my boys looking out for each other, mm-hmm. they're t- treating their, their nieces and nephews like their own. And so I, I see that, I see that, that laughter in a safe space for them to be able to constantly grow. And, um, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That felt good. Yeah, that felt yeah. good, man. Yeah. And I can just see it on your face, right? It's like, it's this, um, it's, it's what life's all about, right? I mean, you're so full of life sharing that, thinking about your kids and, and that's what you're doing. Like, that's what you're doing when you wake up. That's what you're doing when you come home and work didn't work out and you're having a conversation with your boys, right? You're, you're making this a together thing, a family thing, one full of love, being right. yourself. Um, and, and I just love, you know, that your life is one of rebellion and, and creating, and um, Pierre, I just I just thank you for your time today. Encourage you just keep being the husband, father, friend, leader, mentor that you are, and uh, just excited for the legacy, the family that you're building. And and I don't say this all the time, but when I think about this, it's like you and I live on opposite sides of the country, and when we have conversations and when men listen in, you know, it's one thing to be a great dad and father and husband. But to be connected to other men who are doing the same thing means that my daughters will have good men to marry, that your sons will have good women to marry one day. And that's up to you and I to set up for legacies. Like the way I'm a dad is going to impact your future legacy. Um, And so I just, we are all connected and this matters significantly. And so I just thank you for the man and the work that you're doing. And I look forward to, to staying connected and, and, and watching you and your family grow. Ned, thank you. This has been awesome. Had a lot of fun. Uh, This is a subject that I'm passionate about. So it's been great to, to just be a part of this, man. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing your ministry and and your podcast continue to grow. You're in Hawaii, right? I'm in Hawaii. Yeah. We'll have to get out there. (laughs) We'll have to get out there. All right, man. Well, until next time. Uh, There we go. Another incredible conversation with an incredible dad. I loved the digging into teaching your kids to be an advocate for themselves. Um, And especially, I mean, dads, you know, if you got a two-year-old, 12-year-old, 16-year-old, there are opportunities on the daily where there could be tension, there could be blow-ups, there could be frustration. But if you and I show up to those moments 
with a mindset of this is an opportunity to teach my kid to communicate, to teach them to be an advocate, to teach them to have an opinion. That doesn't mean we're going to say yes to everything. It doesn't mean we're going to give in to everything, but to hear them out. And instead of looking at it as a frustrating moment with a child, a, but it's an opportunity to to have a conversation, to to teach and to learn ourselves how to show up and be present and not get frustrated when everything in us may want to. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And if you haven't already, please take a quick minute wherever you're listening to this podcast, write a review or just rate it. Help spread the word that fatherhood matters. And so excited, the TEDx I did on how fatherhood can change the world can be found on my Instagram, on my Facebook, or on YouTube, Ned shout TEDx. Go watch it, share it, help spread the word that fatherhood can change generations. Talk to you next time.